Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin on the 25th of May as we wake this morning with the news that Tina Turner, the musician and singer, has passed away at the age of 83. She died in her home after suffering some kidney disease and a long-term illness. Her publicist reported this overnight and she has passed away. We know the song Simply the Best and how iconic that is with Rugby League and in 1984 and 85 with the What's Love Got to Do With It album, she went stratosphere and became a world phenomenon. I think every single person in the world knows who Tina Turner is and what an iconic singer she was. She had some ups, she had some downs, but all in all, she was a wonderful person. May she rest in peace. A very good morning to everybody. We've got a huge show for you this morning. We're going to talk with Ben Eichen. We're going to focus also uh, on the markets at the moment and the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator and where it's actually at. James Walker will join us from Longreach as well, one of the real entrepreneurs you've ever met. Um, he, he, we will talk to him and much, much more. A very good every morning to everybody listening to us through 4LM Mount Isa. You'll have a 28-degree day today. Uh, 4LG Longreach is at 27 today, 27 degrees. 4, 4HI and Emerald, you'll be at 27, start of 9. 4VL Charleville, good morning, 6 degrees this morning, but it'll get to a top of 27. 4ZR Roma, 4 degrees. Um, you started with, it's going to get colder next week. You'll have a top of 25 in Kingaroy through 4SB in Kingaroy. 5 degrees this morning, top of 23. Charters Towers, you know what? Good morning to everybody up there in Charters Towers. And we just know, um, you know, how, how tough and beautiful it is up there. 26 degrees. Toowoomba will be 22. Cloncurry will be 28. Blackall, 27. So the state's looking good today. It really is. Let's get into it. Let's have a chat. Um, up next, James Walker will join us. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin and it is the Thursday morning, the 25th of May. So much to get through this morning, but a great story um, out of Longreach. Six months ago, uh, the Longreach Veterinary Clinic was on its knees. Um, they were almost done. Uh, the business was for sale. It was almost done. Well, step in. He's a local but also an entrepreneur, James Walker, and he joins us this morning. James, good morning, mate. Great to have you on Rural Queensland today. And I am a little shocked because we're talking about a vet veterinary clinic to start off with, which probably, I suspect, never was in your real wheelhouse. No, absolutely not, Dobbo. Good morning. And, uh, yeah, hello to all the listeners. We, uh, yeah, mate, absolutely never thought I'd be, um, um, you know, stepping into a business like this, but uh, but it was going to shut. Great service for the uh, area and vital. So we thought uh, we've got to give it a go. So we got in there, got in the ring, and and uh, yeah, we've been punching ever since. And um, uh, mate, it's been a, it's been a enjoyable, but um, yeah, but challenging journey. So uh, yeah, so we've got to back up, and we've got uh, we've got three vets in there now that uh, that are that are really doing a great job. I'm sitting at the um, turn off this morning just delivering an LLIS read and a bloke getting out the uh, preg test um, 800 cows this morning so uh, yeah so it's going well mate mate you love Longreach let's be honest it's, it's a big part of your a big part of your DNA um, and the name Walker surname there it, it, it's iconic with the Central West but what you've done is you want to see this town grow again and, and to go and take on a, a veterinary clinic and get in and purchases. How did you go about attracting vets there? Because it's my understanding that there was no vets left. It was done. It was almost shut the door situation when you stepped in. 
Well, absolutely. We started off with zero vets. The vet that we had there when we started was leaving three days after we bought it. And um, I just had to plead to say, um, stick around. And we, it was great. We were so grateful. She's a saviour to us. But, uh, mate, I knew when I stepped in, it would be all about recruitment and uh, retention and just maintaining, you know, sort of a culture in the in the business. And so, um, yeah, so I, 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 tagged the, I tagged the line, um, you know, come and visit Longrance because there's such a shortage of vets out there. It's um it's the equivalent of Noosa in the outback. So um so yeah, so it seemed to resonate a little bit, um, cut the ice and, and uh yeah, and uh and we started to get a bit of interest and, and it's sort of slowly grown from there and, and uh yeah, now we're sort of expanding out. we we're, we're back into large animals, so we're doing a lot of prep testing and uh, bull testing, a lot of horse work. <clears throat> We've got some pretty talented vets there that have done a lot in the scenic rim with uh, equine services and, and uh and large animals so yeah so mate we're trying to expand the offering into i suppose getting into um uh you know repro work for uh you know for horses and and you know and potentially for bulls and semen down the track so we've changed the logo we've changed the vibe down there and uh yeah we're starting to starting to get a bit of a go on but uh yeah it wasn't looking good at the start anyway Dobbo. It, it's been a journey for you guys because in a lot of ways, and, and, and step us through it, I, I, I think it's phenomenal, and I think the people of Longreach and surrounding areas, um, whether they love you or don't, they tip their hat because of what you do and how much you give back. And the fact is that that you are absolutely 100% committed to making sure that Longreach and the surrounding areas uh, prosper, and that's and remains true to what it is, um, and, and, and rightly so. But when, when you take this on, I mean, it's a starting point. But it just goes to show that there is another way. We don't have to shut the doors on everything. People want to support local. They want to support the bush. If the services are there, people will support it. And, I mean, you'd have sleepless nights at different stages. But am I right in saying the drought really, I suppose for you and your brother, it really it really narrowed your focus. Um, the dry years of, hang on, we just can't keep on doing this same thing over and over again and not have um, some outside income. That probably, once you got there and, and changed and you see how everybody else lives in the world, well, why couldn't you do it in Longreach? Yeah, absolutely. I'd encourage, you know, um, you know, a lot of people get involved in their you know, local business community and have a look at some businesses like that. It's, uh, it's been so enjoyable and you can apply all the knowledge you've You've gained in sort of uh, you know, um, especially in farming, to to a local business and give you know and, and give it a bit of a crack. It's it's been great though. Like we've applied you know new systems, we've got new software in there, we've got um, uh, you know a whole lot of sort of new frameworks and things like that that you can apply. In agriculture, it's a little bit of a slower sort of feedback loop where you sort of you know you can apply a um, you can apply a um, you know like a new initiative in the business and. It might take your whole breeding cycle to see the benefits of choosing a new bull, but it's instant in these businesses. So, you know, a, a post you put up today on, on Facebook or, or um, you know, or a meeting you have, you can convert into, um, you know, into business opportunities. So it's been, yeah, it's been great, but it, uh, you know, the, the other option for, for what we were doing was, um, you know, um, if we sort of closed up, uh, you know, it was 400 kilometres to Emerald for the closest sort of um, emergency. So, so yeah, mate. So, um, so yeah. So our job is just to look after these, uh, uh, you know, these vets and all these personnel and make sure that they're having a great time getting fulfilled in their career. But, um, but more importantly, look after pets and animals out here and get after the drought, get that production happening again and humming. So, 
So, you know, if we can we can help producers get you know, get right you know, get right up there in terms of the fertility of their herds and and uh and getting those returns back, you know, that's that's sort of the aim of what we're trying to do is is uh, you know, get this uh, economic growth happening back here back out here and, and getting it cracking. But it's uh, you know, great to get coverage from you guys to to get this to get the message out there that we're you know, we're we're here, we're ready to go and, and uh yeah, we've got appetite to to help if uh yeah, people don't know we're you know, we're back and and um, a serious, um, you know, sort of offering. Player in it, yeah. Um, yeah. Long it's, reach, um, it's good. But... Long Reach Veterinary Clinic is open for business to service the community and obviously look at the background and what there's going on. Can I ask you this? Um, at the moment, where's the end point for you? I, I love this, and we're talking business, we're talking with James Walker, and, and mate, you, no doubt the tall poppy syndrome is everywhere. I get it every day of my life. I'm sure you get it, um, And but, mate, you you're not going to stop, um, you know, whether or not it's your solar farms and, and looking for the renewables or it's when you created AgriHive and, and you know, you, you obviously have a, a, a real knowledge and wealth of knowledge in the business, whether or not it's your tourism business as well that's prospering, your campsites. What's the big picture? Is it, it, it you know, obviously you're not going to stop now, but there's some more, there's so much more and so many more things that can happen in, in, in the landscape in the Central West. Absolutely, Dobbo. Yeah, we, we've got to, there's not for profit to start up like Grow WQ that, that is going really well. We've got Prue Button at the uh, helm of that now and she's just driving that so well and getting a lot of interest out here. But, but mate, I think it's uh, just about creating these, uh, you know, these uh, these growth opportunities out here. Um, you know, there's obviously, you know, in agriculture, that you know, we've got this, um, you know, this massive supply of goats at the moment. So how can we solve that? Get get that protein to the world, and you know, there's always there's always options, you know, opportunities to solve problems out here and, and just sort of crush it. But but I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, in terms of that sort of, that, you know, that uh, that tall poppy stuff, I think that sort of encourages it to get going more. If the, if there is any of that, I, I don't really get much of that. It's sort of Pat on the back at the moment for what we're doing here. So, um, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's brilliant, Dobbo. But one thing I did do for the vets that come out here, I just bought a big projector screen for the state of origin for them. So, um, so we're all going to crowd around there. We can't wait to see the the Dobbin brothers uh, in about eighteen years' time get up. <laughs> oh, I don't know, mate. The way it's going, mate, I don't know what what, what they'll be doing at that stage. But they're they're ten weeks old. They're still trucking. They're a long way from putting on a football boot yet. Yet. Um, hey, listen, mate. The, the Central West has had so much time, and and you know, seasonally, it's been very good this year, but. And your passion. We're talking with James Walker. Just obviously, um, recently um, himself and his brother Dan. You know, obviously have been absolutely at the forefront of trying to turn uh, tourism and business around in that area. And um, obviously, just recently purchasing the Longreach Veterinary Clinic as part of uh, growing forward. They've now got three vets, and they are absolutely rolling. And 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 it's just not there. So, what is Longreach? What what is it missing? Um, we talk with so many people out there and, and you know, we, we talk with, and, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm disappointed how the whole, uh, it all played out in a lot of ways uh, with the Ag College, but I mean, government decisions are government decisions, but what is it missing? Well, I think it was missing that. That would have just made, well, it's just so, um, 
uh, mate, it would just, just give it, uh, you know, so much flight, um, you know, that extra sort of um, influx of people and, and young people as well, you know, coming through the community. It was, um, yeah, extremely disappointing, but you just never know, you know, what's involved in the contracts and the offers and things like sure. that. So sure. a bit hard to comment on it. But, but I, do, I do think the intent was really good there. I think um, with a lot of these, uh, you know, regional communities, it's all about coordination, like coordinating the opportunities with, um, you know, with local businesses and, and, you know, state and national businesses and, and just getting that, <clears throat> just getting those connections right and converting them. But, you know, we've got Julia Spicer, the chief entrepreneur out here today, and she's doing a roadshow. And, and um, you know, uh, it's been well attended. We were in Winton yesterday talking to a few people, and, and that was great. Uh, it was well attended. Blackall, I think um, we didn't quite have that many people there, but, um, uh, but, but the messages are great. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of support out there, but it's just coordinating uh, those linkages. Sure. Um, and, and I think, <clears throat> you know, in small business, you sort of think there's a bit of a ceiling out here, but there really isn't. When you look at Qantas and how they became a, you know, multinational, you know, billion-dollar empire, um, it started out here, started in Winton Lawrence, and, and uh, yeah, so anything's possible. It's just... Um, just a matter of backing yourself, I think, and breaking those ceilings and walls down. And, and uh, yeah, certainly, I think um, anyone that's interested in in a sea change, uh, it's no better out here at the moment. We're actually getting hay fever again with all the grass around. So I can hear it. I can hear uh, it in your voice. Um, yeah. Mate, I uh, really appreciate you coming on this morning. Um, I understand how busy you are. I think it's phenomenal that uh, a local has taken – literally a business on that was almost shutting its doors and turned it round. Um, I know how honest and straight up you are and how committed you are to the community. So congratulations and, and you know, um, good things happen to good people um, and, you know, hard work pays off. So I really appreciate your time this morning and thank you so much for being with us and really we, we will do everything we can, I understand, you, you know, to get your businesses known and make sure they're supported because people – need to invest back local and that's what's happening um you're committed to long reach in the central west and the surrounding areas and and it is a very very uh great experience to have local operated and owned businesses it's not outside it's all local the money stays local and that's what it's about great to chat absolutely Dobbo. and uh yeah best to your family mate go queensland good on you yeah they, they are ready they've got training this afternoon at three o'clock down at sanctuary cave that had their hit out on the juice last night, so well, the night before, so they're already in, and now it's business time. They actually got a semi opposed against Ipswich Jets this afternoon. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, thank you, James yeah. Walker. This is Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network with Ben Dobbin. It's May the 25th, a Thursday morning on Rural Queensland. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 25th of May across Rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin and, and not far away, we'll have a look at the Dolby Market Report and also uh, what went on at Charters Towers and also Grace Mere uh, through the week with the Market Report. The Eastern Young Cattle Indicator, well, it's low at the present moment, 496 a bit of change at the present moment considering it's back $5.18 year on year. We'll get to that very shortly. The QRL have a brand new CEO to represent the game of rugby league across this great state of Queensland. His name is Ben Eichen and he joins us for the first time on Rural Queensland today. Good morning, Ben. How are you, mate? Hello, Dobbo. This isn't my first time on Rural Queensland. No, today. as the CEO it is. As the okay, CEO yeah. it is. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, what a, a phenomenal um, appointment. And, I, and look, Rob Moore did a great job. Uh, Rowan... 
did a great job. Sawyer did a great job. But uh, I think when they announced that you'd been selected, a lot of people said, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's in the DNA. You know every single thing about it. And, and obviously it's it's a big part of what you are. So a real challenge, but something you must be very excited about. I am, because uh, I know the business very well. I was on the board of the QRL for three and a half years from 2018 and um, thoroughly enjoyed my time. Love working with Bruce Hatcher and a lot of the directors uh, at that stage who are still on the board today, uh, many of them, and got to know a lot of the staff. And what you realise in uh, your time there is that there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good work right across the state, you know, from the, the Cape right down to the Toy and now through Western Queensland. It pretty much every level of this great game, you know, it's the six-year-old boys and girls in Western Queensland, you know, trialling the game for the first time, being coached by a parent for the first time, and this wonderful period we're going to go through where the jewel in the crown, state of origin, plays out and consumes us all. So uh, it touches everyone, and uh, I'm proud but also feeling very responsible to make sure that, you know, rugby league gets treated accordingly north of the border because we do it well up here. We do it different, but we're very proud of that. The biggest um, thing, and, and obviously we'll, we'll, we'll get to a few things, is the growth in the game. And, and you know, as a parent, you're a parent, you, you, you want to protect your children. And, and the QRL have been at the forefront of understanding uh, around this very sensitive issue around concussion and head knocks and, and trying to grow the game as well as protect our next generation. And you were, you were part of those decisions and, and it's been justified in a lot of ways, Ben, because of the, the you've seen the participation rates increase. Yeah, well, change is hard. It's especially hard in volunteer sport. Uh, I mean, you talk to anyone that was around when the mini and mod leagues got introduced and, you know, the reaction was fierce. You know, we're apparently tearing at the fabric of the game back then. But if you could imagine 13 six-year-olds, you know, running around against 13 six-year-olds on a full field, it just it uh, beggars belief. But, you know, that's kind of, if we didn't introduce the changes back then, that's what it would have looked like today. But Minion Mod is just part of how we play the game today. Uh, the play development framework that I partnered with uh, a whole heap of good people from across the game under the guidance of the NRL saw us introduce no contact from the sixes, you know, tackle ready program uh, for under sevens. So you had to learn how to tackle and be tackled in a safe environment before you ended the full contact version. Development competitions, you know, 18 month registration windows. Um, when it was first trialled and then introduced, the, the blowback was fierce. Uh, but the QRL board stuck solid. Last year, participation went up 5%. Uh, this year, it's up 9% on last year. So it's working. Um, look, I spoke at the South East Queensland Regional Planning Day yesterday and just sort of uh, reinforced that, you know, when people come to our game to participate, doesn't matter what category, player, coach, match official, volunteer, is right at the base of what we want to give them in terms of an experience is we want it to be fun and we want it to be safe. Fun and safe. If you can tick those two boxes, then people will keep coming back. You know, and eventually those that have big dreams about going to the next level and maybe one day playing State of Origin, you can add in some extra layers as they continue on their journey. But mainly people just want to come to us and have fun because they love the game. 
And so the governing body in Queensland, being the QRL, is responsible to ensure that the policies that create that environment are created and then delivered right across the state. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a really good thing. We see every year there's carnivals, and you, you talk about the Adrian Vales Cup. We highlight that because there's so much going on, and, and that's done out of Charleville. We know that Gordon Tallis has the Gordon Tallis Cup up in Townsville. Uh, Matt Scott has one out at Longreach. Um, he's from Ilfracombe. There, there are all these carnivals on, and the biggest and I suppose the most rewarding thing out of this is the the growth of the women's game as well. It's now not parallel, but it it, it is growing um, like a mushroom, um, and obviously it's a huge part and focus to get more young uh, men and women, but more focused on women to try and come into this game as well. Which is we're seeing the the, the outcomes with the NRLW and the pathways that are being created, and the QRL are behind that. Yeah, and look, it, it's we we do have a female strategy for the game, but as far as I'm concerned, it all just fits in the one bucket. And that is uh, boys and girls, men and women, women play rugby league. And so our, our job as the governing body is to make that accessible um, to as many boys and girls, men and women as we can. And then once they're kind of engaging with us is ensure that there's the appropriate infrastructure to accommodate them. Um, and the good thing now is that uh, the Harvey Norman uh, Maroons team, uh, led by Tani Norris, has, is chock full of stars, which is underpinned by an NRLW and a BMD Premiership. So not only you know is the game getting better at providing opportunity uh, for young women to play the game, they've got heroes you know to um, aspire to become and follow. So that's fantastic. But as I said before, you know with participation growth, which has been great. Uh, Part of my role is then to fight the good fight south of the border with the Australian Rugby League Commission to ensure that we can keep pace in other areas with the growth in the number of people playing the game. More players, more teams, more games means we need more fields. We need more change rooms. You know, we need more match officials. You know, you can't have a game without a referee and a couple of touch judges. And that requires funding. You know, so as you know, beyond just creating an environment where people can come and participate in our game in Queensland is, you know, I have to get down to Sydney and convince them that we need more money to keep doing great things if you want to continue to grow the game. It's a, it's a challenge. Now, mate, Ike, next week you'll obviously be in Adelaide, so will I, and obviously it's a it's the the absolute jewel in the crown. You talked about that in Saturday Origin, but tomorrow night you're going to be in Chinchilla. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big spread. What's going on in Chinchilla? It's the Frank Fisher Cup. Uh, which is something instigated by one of our directors a while back, uh, Danny Maguire. Should yeah. send a cheer out to uh, Danny, uh, father of Casey Maguire, a bloke that sure. I used to play with at the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, he's suffering from some ill health at the moment. But uh, great idea. It's been going for a while. It's the Queensland Police Service up against the Central Queensland Indigenous All-Stars. And there's a whole stack of good promotion around it. I'm driving out. The Chinchilla Bulldogs are hosting this year. Uh, there's a dinner on the Friday night. There's men's and women's games on the Saturday. Um, for those that don't know, Frank Fisher was the grandfather of the great Kathy Freeman right? and a member of the uh, Indigenous Australian team of the century. Yeah, played up through the, the Wide Bay Burnett area. Um, 
didn't get his opportunity to for, for a number of bad reasons to kind of continue in the elite game. Had offers to go to England, you know, was labelled the um, one of the great playmakers of his generation. Um, so it's fitting that this competition, which does so much good in the community, is named after um, Mr. Fisher. And I'll jump in the car and drive the three hours. I think Wayne Bennett, the, the head coach of the uh, Dolphins is going to be out there too, Dobbo. So hopefully he's happy after tonight. Father-in-law will be able to reconnect. Yeah, well, that'd be good for you. Uh, listen, yeah. just for everybody, and the QR will do some phenomenal things. So that's going taking place in Chinchilla, but the fifteenth of July, and I should, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but what a, a phenomenal thing when the the Host Plus Cup goes to rural and regional Queensland, and and. It's over the weekend of the 15th, Saturday the 15th, um, and all the games. And I mean, you go to Weeper, um, you know, the Devils will take on Wynnum in, in Wandai. You've got Weeper where Proserpine. the. Fa- yeah, Proserpine, Chinch, Miles. Uh, Miles, yep, to Centenary. Mile country. Mile country. Yep, my yeah. area. Billa Wheeler, Kilcoy, um, and obviously they st- Stanthorpe as well with the Clydesdales. It is such a big thing um, for... It's fantastic. I actually took my young bloke, who you know well, yep. uh, little Joey Eichen, out uh, when I was on the board to Pittsworth for a Friday night game. Yeah. Seriously, it is the coldest thing <laughs> I have ever done. So we went out completely underprepared. And if not for a local family who were there watching the game, who threw us a couple of chairs and blankets, we would have frozen to death. Yeah, well, don't worry. Miles will be like that. So will Wandai and Kilcoy. Yeah. Um, ben Iken, it's all, and obviously throughout the course of the year, we will talk to you on this show, and, and, and it is a huge role to be the CEO, but I think there's no better person for it. Appreciate your time this morning on Rural Queensland today, and we'll catch up again shortly. Thanks for your support, Dobbo. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. Not far away, let's unpack this cattle market now after yesterday's Dolby sale. This is Rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Dolby cattle market yesterday, 4,183 head yarded, and the number of cattle penned uh, saw an improvement. Would you believe that? Yep, five better for yearling steers. A lift in the quality of light heifers improved some prices, um, and yearling heifers to feed averaged five cents dearer. Good heavyweight cows lifted in price by 14 cents. So lightweight yielding steers returning to the paddock made four dollars to average three seventy two with poorer quality lines at two eighty. Yielding steers to feed for the domestic market made four oh six to average three forty two, and the restocker lines at the same weight range averaged three fifty five. Heavyweight yielding steers to feed made three sixty, a large number averaging three fifty five. Lightweight yielding heifers returning to the paddock made three ten to average two seventy six, and yielding weight heifers to feed for the domestic market averaged. 275 to average 279. There was only a small sampling of bullocks there. Uh, they made 315, um, and obviously they were obviously highly sought after. But obviously, good signs going forward for this job. You know, the bullocks making 315 to average 312. Restocker cows were average 183, and the heavyweight cows 205. And good heavyweight cows made a top of 229. So that's a good result, an improvement. We're seeing some improvements. Um, Gracemere Sayards, Yards, um, obviously they had 1,343 uh, penned yesterday and the number in reduction, that was 4.58 shorter. Uh, local district cattle, lightweight yearling steers to 3.93. So this market's sort of staying the same. Um, looking at where this job was, they're calling it a fraction cheaper. Bullocks present to processors got to 2.69. Heavy grow and trade heifers, Made two forty three to two 
two top two forty three, and not a lot of cows there. Um, but all in all, um, heavy cows made two hundred and thirteen cents to average two hundred four. Bulls made two sixty. So they got away with it okay. Um, and when you look at Charters Towers, they had two thousand head there. It was a combined prime and store sale in Charters Towers. And they had a very, very good supply of heavy prime cows with some very good quality young steers and heifers. A smaller buyer panel operated at reduced rates throughout, including opportunities for restockers. Lightweight yielding steers to restockers stole to 366 with a good sampling averaging 361. Um, similar for the heifers, uh, they averaged 258 to, they topped to 258 to average 216. Yielding steers 280 reached three bucks. Now, a good sample of heavy bullocks export to slaughter. They averaged 253 but got to 264. Medium weight score two cows to processors sold to 175 cents to average 170. Um, a good sample of prime weight cows to 195. Heavy bulls destined for live export, 274. Cows and calves, a small yarding of them, uh, made 1,000 to 1,125. And that is... Uh, a snapshot of the three markets that took place yesterday uh, across this great state of Queensland. We're going to take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland Today. It is Thursday morning, the 25th of May. So much to get through this morning, and it's a real honour to have uh, my next guest on. He is a rugby league legend. Uh, from England and came over to Australia where he made headlines for being one of the best in the game. Since then, he has started a very, very successful podcast called The Buy Round and I strongly recommend people to download that today. You can get it on any of those platforms, uh, Spotify, anywhere. It's a phenomenal thing and he chats with some of the greats but he's also made it very clear and aware around head injuries and, and young men and women playing rugby league, but he's got a phenomenal message about contact sport and how important and team sport how it is. His name's James Graham, and unfortunately I call him a friend, uh, and <laughs> he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Hello, Jammer. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm doing very well, mate, and uh, yes, we, we must be friends for... For, for me to uh, get up you know, and crawl out of bed and, and take a phone call, I only do that for people who I consider friends. At, at this time of the morning, oh, get uh, out of I it. only do that for people I consider friends, mate. This certainly isn't work. This is a, an acquaintance. It's a, it's a friendship. I, uh, mate, I, I'm always um, interested to know, and we've, we, we, we love highlighting stories of people that put themselves in positions and challenge themselves. You had it all. Family in England. Um, you're very, very proud, proud man. You played a lot of football over there, rugby league. What, what, what was the desire to come to Australia? What, what was it that, that made you think, hang on, I've got to challenge myself more than what I'm doing and get out of my comfort zone? Yeah, well, well there's two things that really spring to mind um, there, Ben, and that plays into a little bit about getting out of your comfort zone and going to challenge yourself. The, the, the very first part of it came when I, I visited Australia when, as a 15-year-old. I'd never been on an aeroplane before uh, as a kid growing up in Liverpool. And the first time I did it, hopped on a plane to Australia. Um, we didn't have much uh, as kids growing up. We, we did some family holidays in France that we'd drive to. Um, so my experience of the world was quite limited. And I landed here and um, I remember thinking, well, yeah, 
it's hard for me to admit this, but it's actually all right over here. Um, and then just the, the way I saw the public engage with the game and just the level of importance um, Australians put on rugby league. So where I'm from, you know, it's, it's a minority sport. Um, it doesn't get the headlines that I think it deserves. And then coming here, it just opened my eyes to um, it being the number one sport, certainly in New South Wales and, and Queensland. Um, and I actually enjoyed that. I think that's where our game should be. Now, you know, you can argue whether there's positives and negatives to that, but that's the, the nature of the beast. I thought, oh, if I when I was daring to dream about my career, um, I'm making it as a professional rugby league player. I always said if I get the opportunity to come and play in Australia, then I, then I wouldn't. That that eventuated, and that that's easy to say as an impressionable teenager. I'm sure we all can relate to our thoughts then and what we may or may not do. But then, for me, when the actual decision time came, it was um, simply a matter of I, I needed to know. I needed to go and answer that question of what would life be like in Australia playing in the NRL um, and I was okay with that not working out there's no guarantees with me coming over here that I was going to be successful there were a lot of things stacked against me um, but I wanted to know I wanted to go and answer that question I didn't want to look back in 10, 15, 20 years time and go oh, I wonder I wonder what would have happened if I'd have moved over to the other side of the world and um, yeah, for me, it was important to go and answer that question, whatever the um, whatever the outcome may be. Well, you did it well. Um, 135 NRL games with the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, uh, 51 with the St George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, off the back of that long period, um, I think you you almost played 240 games close on with your beloved St Helens. So there was there, there was a, a there was so much to like about what you did in the game, but. Mate, if I'm honest with you, I'm a, I'm a Bulldogs fan, so I always I love how you play. But I actually reckon it's what you've done after and what you've achieved already in this small amount of time after your career. Um, you, you were very brave when you came out and you talked about um, CTE. And, and, in, and a lot of people in some ways took it in that you were trying to get people to say, oh, no, they shouldn't be playing contact sport. I've got two young boys. I've got an 18-year-old son. I've got daughters that want to play it. And it was it was actually the opposite. Like, by no means, um, we, we, we see the hysteria of oh, CTE and head sport, but but you know what? It, 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 it doesn't mean you can't play rugby league and it doesn't mean that contact sports aren't a part of it. it it's very much a part of the ethos of the world and, and what we're doing, but... You were just talking about your journey and, and, and trying to give some awareness, not try and turn people away from the game that you love so much. No, and, and that's certainly how I wanted it to be portrayed. I'm very grateful for um, our, the, the team that I worked with at the Australian for, for allowing me to, to to have some control in that. I didn't want this to be a, a, a shock value and, and, and look what the game's done to me. I'm very grateful for what the game has given me um, in terms of opportunities, um, and it will. It looks like it's going to continue to give me opportunities based off you know my, my career as a as a as a sports person. Um, but even that said, if I, you know, if I don't make professional leagues, I, I take so many skills away from 
being part of a, 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 a team sport and the, the soft skills that it gives me, the, the experience that it gives me moving on into life. So I, I think, you know, team sport is, is good for the individual uh, and, and even elements of contact team sport as well. It's good for the individual. It's good for community and it's good for society in general. So, uh, but that said, there are some risks and we should look how we mitigate risk. The, I say this um, after doing a lot of evaluation on on my own personal life and, and looking at society that we pay a price for everything that we do and we pay a price for everything that we don't do. And when I've evaluated my life um, and looked at some of the opportunities or some of the the avenues I could have gone down had it not been for rugby league being you know, at the forefront of pretty much every decision I made as an impressionable teenager. Like, I can make a, a very strong case and I've come to the conclusion that it would have been more dangerous for me not to play rugby league as a kid <laughs> versus playing yeah. it. But based, based off a, a number of those factors. And um, I know um, we generate a lot of headlines about the, the, the dangers of team sport, but there are so many benefits that just don't get spoken about that um, so many soft skills that we just sort of take for, take for granted. And, and even uh, I've said this before and some people can, can, can laugh that, you know, I've done a bit of analysis on, on, uh, on future outcomes and dangerous professions. And, you know, th- there is a strong case for if you are not going to allow your, your, your young son or daughter to, to play contact sport, you, you sit on the basis of well-being markers and future health outcomes, well, then you certainly wouldn't want to get them into poetry. Now, I'm not yeah. going to talk about that in no, any no, great no. depth on this on 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 this show, but but that's a that's an analysis that that I've that I've made and a conclusion that I've come to an evidence-based conclusion. So, I think it's important that we think about things and. You know, we're in a society now where we can afford to look at how our children are developed and look for what's best for them. I think there are improvements that we can make at um, grassroots level. Some of those are improvements about, you know, an analysis on what is the best way to introduce um, contact and should there be a certificate so, you know, a, a child is... You know, trained in that and they've got certain criteria that they need to make to order to pass in order to play our contact sports that we love to make it safer and um, some education pieces around you know I, I grew up in an environment where you know tough north of England uh, you get up and carry on never show your head and you never want you never come off the field now that has given me certain traits but we don't need I was a product of my environment we don't need that environment to be the same and uh, we can make the environment better. And what we can do is we can just uh, educate the kids that, you know, if you have a head knock, you, you need to come off because a, a lot of the, well, after speaking to a number of doctors, Gobbo, you know, the number one tool to diagnose concussion, believe it or not, is honesty. Yeah. So we, we need to bring our kids on this journey that, you know, as a parent, you're not going to see everything. I'm, again, I'm a keen observer of, children's sports and you miss things and even as a parent it's a very social activity so a lot of the time and I'm guilty of falling into this trap as well I'm not actually watching my child play the whole time 
I'm, you know, catching up with friends that we've made through you know, other children that are in the in the team, and you're not as attentive attentive as what you might be. Even the coach is missing. We have even at NRL we have independent doctors, spot concussion spotters. So, sure, because not everybody uh, gets uh, them. Uh, yeah. Because you don't you don't always see them. So it's important to have the education, the conversation with children to bring them along with the journey. Talk to parents and coaches about how you know the, the potential risk and danger for putting a, a child back in an environment in a contact environment after receiving a concussion. Um, how to manage those concussions when it's safe to return. So that when it comes to children's sport, that's you know that that that's sort of my observations, not advice, just my observations. No, it's so good. Think, it's so good, mate. Um, and you know what, Jammer, it's and and we could talk all day about it, but what it does is it, it's in every walk of life, whether it's pony yeah. club, whether or not you're at home, whether or not all those the product of your environment and what you choose to do and being honest about something can change it. And that's what you've done and you've come out and been honest. Now, the buy round is your – and I, I really do recommend people to go in and listen to the buy round. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast, James Graham talking to different people. But I have to say uh, my favourite part of my life is my Sundays with the great James Graham. Um, <laughs> we love we love doing the Sunday sin bin. I know it's on a uh, rival network, but uh, it is uh, a, a very big part of what we do. James Graham – it has been an honour to have you on Rural Queensland today. A lot of people have asked to have you on this show. I've had more emails than you would know because they've obviously listened and seen and hear you speak. So thank you so much for giving me some time this morning. No, my pleasure, Ben. Uh, as a friend, it's always, um, you know, I, um, I think it's important that we, we look after one another. And, you know, for, for me to, to speak about a, a topic that I'm, I'm passionate about, um, I'm, I'm always willing to talk on this because I care about the game, though I care about... Um, you know, what the game can give other individuals, what it, what it can give to our communities and what it can give to our society. And it's important that we, um, you know, it, it, it can be delicate at times, but fundamentally I, I can't go away from that, um, that statement of it's good for the individual, it's good for the community and it's good for society. So, uh, yes, it comes at a risk. We've got to manage that and, and look to mitigate that as best as possible through education. Thank you, James Graham. Appreciate your time this morning on Rural Queensland today. Pleasure, Ben. Well, that's it from us here on the 25th of May, a Thursday morning on Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I certainly have so much to get through as well, and we love representing and honouring your state. Uh, I'm involved in a, an amazing lunch today called Smart Pups, which I'll talk a bit more about tomorrow. Fantastic. And there's so much more going on across this great state. Enjoy your day, and remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Ray Hadley joins you next. Enjoy, Ray, and we'll be back tomorrow morning from 9am. Remember, you can go to Spotify if you've missed any of our episodes or you want to hear that interview again. Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland today, and we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on across this great state. From all the team here, myself, Ben Dobbin, and the rest of Resonate and Rural Queensland today, stay safe on the roads. Till next time, it's bye for now.